everyone. Welcome to the Polymer Science Podcast. I'm Alicia Buertes. I have a PhD in Chemistry and Polymer Science. This podcast will be bringing you candid and interesting discussions with hardworking researchers that are contributing to the studies which are relevant to our lives. Hope you can learn something new and that you enjoy the conversation. In today's podcast, we speak to Dr. Zugan Young about paper-based devices for detection of COVID-19 in wastewater. Dr. Young is currently heading the Census Lab at Cranfield Water Science Institute. He has recently developed a low-cost paper origami device for rapid diagnosis of infectious diseases in India and has field-tested malaria in Uganda. In the following conversation, Dr. Young speaks to me about the prospects of this device and how it can contribute to the current pandemic by lowering the pressure on the testing facilities, as well as establishing presence of the COVID-19 in communities that are at risk. Well, firstly, is housing going there with the lockdown and everything? Are you allowed to work or do you have to stay at home? <laughs> Currently, we're mostly working from, from home. Oh, yeah. The university yeah. is closed. Okay. It's another way. We, every people just, uh, just uh, justify ourselves to fit this new situation. Yes. So it's okay. <laughs> yeah. So actually, where are you now? You are in South Africa. Yes, I'm in South Africa, Cape Town. Um, Cape Town. All right, okay. Um, are you very busy at the moment, or how's things going? Is it much more? Uh, yeah, it's a bit busy. We are trying to uh, developing the device and uh, carry out the experiment. And ah, um, right. we, we, because of this particular project, the university just uh, permit my students and I access to the lab and just. So working on this topic so oh, yeah. a, a bit busy yeah but yeah it's, fine. it's, it's very it's Friday, um, time so. sensitive and all that as well yeah you wanted to have like you want to put it out into the world as soon as possible well um can we just start with the yeah yeah we should start yes. first that you can maybe just uh, for the people who's not um, familiar with your work and with yourself uh, maybe just like a quick brief introduce um introduction of your name and how long you've been working on this project and what uh, inspired you to start working in this field? Yeah, so basically my name is Zugen Yang. I'm currently a lecturer in sensor technology uh, within Water Science Institute at the Cranfield University. I'm a, a material, material engineering by training, but I turned my area at my PhD to biomedical engineering. So. As a result, my expertise is quite uh, high disciplinary, involved chemistry, material, nanotechnology, medical science, environmental science, and some applications for the sensing technology. So um, I got my PhD, got my degree, um, bachelor and a master in China, then my PhD from the University of Lyon in France. Then I started my career as a postdoc at the University of Cambridge in the UK, and then I got a position from U, uh, U, European as a molecular fellow at best at the University of Bath in the UK. Um, at that moment, I started uh, research on the wastewater analysis, but uh, most is focusing on the illegal drugs. So that's mm-hmm. an amazing project. We're monitoring metabolites of illegal drugs like cocaine or mm-hmm. methamphetamine in different European countries. Then that technology was expanded to uh, China, Australia, the USA, and uh, across the world. Um, so that's why we have been working on the wastewater analysis for 
seven years, I think. So just most recently, for my for my uh, expertise, I'm working on the development of a range of sensor technology. So this gives my great interest to look at the pathogens uh, and organisms in wastewater in order to understand the community-wide uh, health and uh, uh, infection disease. So because of the outbreak of coronavirus, my attention has just uh, moved to this, uh, to trace this carrier of coronavirus in wastewater and also try to understand this outbreak within the com community in the mm -hmm. population by analyzing this coronavirus in wastewater. So that's the way we have been uh, working in this area for quite a long time. Just it's a good fit that we using our expertise and technology to address these issues. Yeah, that's actually amazing yeah. that the technology was already there and established for something completely different and now it can be used for this. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. amazing. And, and, uh, <laughs> that, that is one side of, about the wastewater analysis. Another side is that actually just uh, dead back in my career from University of Bath, I moved to Scotland and I joined the University of Glasgow. So then I started working on a paper-based uh, device. Mm -hmm. So initially this device is uh, for the development of biomedical diagnostics. So we developed this technology and then went to India to do a field testing of uh, early diagnosis of uh, infection disease in, for bovine in a local farm. At the same time, another application is to try to look at the human health within malaria. So um, my colleagues and I, we deliver this device in uh, Uganda, in Africa, try to, uh, to, to test the malaria in the local primary school. We try to um, do this test within the low resource setting areas because in those areas, we don't have really advanced uh, equipment mm. and uh, like a qPCR or some other facilities to test those uh, infection disease. So that's why I give our another platform to do the field testing of those um, organisms or infections at the site in a field. So to based on those backgrounds, we propose using these paper-based sensors to rapidly and field testing this coronavirus in order to trace the carrier and understand the uh, cross-infection at the population level and also uh, to predict the outbreak with this ambitious. Yeah. So that's the basic background of those two stories aligned together. Yes, yeah, like a very good alignment actually, because now you have a lot of data or you understand how this device works and what's the you know, fallbacks and the benefits of using it. So for the first question, I actually wanted to know, just for people who don't know what a paper-based device is, um, what exactly, how does it work and how is it manufactured? So um, this paper device is uh, basically, we, the whole device, we have three sections of the, uh, of the techniques. So first is about the uh, sample preparation. So we use basically using this uh, paper device to uh, lysis extract nuclear acid or genetic material from different uh, samples like water samples or blood samples. So after this step, by we using the folding and unfolding technology, try to um, 
that drive the liquids in a different uh, uh, panel of the device and then enabling the proper uh, purification to of the genetic materials. So this is basically the first step. We're using this paper, paper device to by folding and unfolding at di different time scales to uh, lysis and uh, purify DNA samples from the real blood or water samples. So after this step, we design and develop a very sensitive uh, molecular assay, which is called loop-mediated isosomal amplification, or we can call it LAMP. So this technology is similar like uh, uh, qPCR, is quantitative polymerase chain reaction. So they enable amplify the genetic material of virus to be detected at uh, uh, very low levels. So the third step, we're using a visual detection technology, which means that after this amplification, we can directly identify the positive or negative results by your nectar eyes. So the whole process involved those steps, but we managed to integrate all those, all of this process in a single device, which achieve the sample in to uh, results out. So in terms of the manufacturing of this paper device, it can be manufactured by a what called a wax printer, which is similar like office printer, but the difference is that we're using the wax as an ink to replace the traditional carbon ink. Yeah, so it's very cheap and easy to manufacture. Yeah. But based on this uh, wax material, we are able to generate this uh, hydrophilic and hydrophobic uh, channels in order to manipulate these samples of the liquid, but without any power, unlike traditional microfluidic technology, you need a battery or electricity to, to, to drive the power to, in order to manipulate these diff different uh, liquids. So that's the basic uh, um, working principle of this paper device. Oh yeah, okay, awesome, thank uh, you. Um, why exactly is paper used? Yeah, uh, because paper is very cheap first, uh, and also it is easy to store, and uh, from the environmental friendly point after use, uh, we can just uh, burn it out without any pollution to the okay. environment. Yeah, because uh, yeah, that's, that's also uh, the main focus for many people, the environmentally friendly um, devices that can be incinerated or reused again. It's yeah, actually one yeah. of my questions for later as well. <laughs> but I think for asking while we're at it now, is do you think these devices can be reusable in some way or do they simply get destroyed and then... Um, yeah, actually for current design, we don't uh, want to use it uh, for many times. And uh, it's just been single use device, uh, but it's quite disposable. As, as I said, we can just simply burn it out. Um, yeah, but that's good. I think being for one use only, since it's such a highly contagious virus, you'd rather incinerate it than try to reuse it again for another. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, all, it's also avoid any biological hazard in terms yeah. of the residue of these reagents. Exactly. Yeah. Since we're using, we're testing wastewater as well. <laughs> so yeah. we don't want that to get into anything else. Um, so the sanitation in the communities that we have around ourselves um, isn't always up to standard. 
So we have wastewater that's um, flowing into the streets and um, people get exposed to that. So many communities actually have uh, sewage that's um, in and around their house and they're yeah. sometimes not even aware of it, that they are drinking wastewater or coming into contact with wastewater. So um, this is why I also reached out to you because it's very, very interesting. And I think especially in South Africa, we have a lot of com communities that will benefit from having a paper-based device like yours. So I was just wondering, um, how far do you think the development for this device would be um, and for actual use uh, for communities that I spoke of now in South Africa? How, how far do you think um, the development process are at the moment to actually use these devices in real life? Um, so, uh, that's a very good question. So actually, uh, what the studio now is, we have developed several prototypes of this paper device. As we, as I mentioned earlier, we tested this device for infection disease in India and malaria in and, uh, Uganda in Africa. We have a couple of the device which is already being approved to be working to be what. To, uh, to be working on this testing, yeah. but honestly, for this new target, uh, we are still working uh, to improve or adapting our device to be able to test this COVID-19. There is a couple of difference between our previous development, but it takes some time to prove it works and implement for rapid testing of COVID-19. So one difference is that uh, previously we tested DNA-based uh, pathogens, but currently we need to adapt for RNA testing. This is not uh, difficult, but just we need to take our time to, mm. to, to produce this data and uh, prove it works. And, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. and secondly, there is uh, some difference in terms of the samples. For example, the sewage, the RNA is not very stable in the sewage. We, not, we try to Tucked with very stable uh, RNA particles in order to prove that this SSD will be working. So that's why I also pose another question that using laboratory-based method, you need to pay a lot of efforts in order to ensure the stability of these um, RNA particles in sewage. But uh, likewise, if you can test in those uh, RNA particles at the site of sample collections, so you perhaps can avoid these issues mm. because you already tested them. You don't worry about the storage and transportation of those sewage samples into the laboratory and then store at minus 20 or minus 80 degree for, for, uh, for, for the further analysis. Mm. So um, in terms of the real time scales of achieving the real practical application, um, it depends, but it should be not takes too long for us to prove that the, it can be used in, uh, uh, at the site of the sample collections. But currently we are working on this improvement. We have get some data that uh, perhaps it will be working. But in terms of the really, like you mentioned, like a product, like it can be translated as a product or for real practical application. I think um, we need to working with different people who are uh, interested in those area for the knowledge transfer in order to put them in the real products because you know we are academic we are uh, uh, research based uh, 
at the university. So mm -hmm. that is another part of partnership work, which we need to be working together with the industry partner. Yes, yeah. yeah. No, I think uh, there's a lot of people that would um, benefit from your product. Also, I wanted to know uh, these devices, have you established how, how do you make them selective for COVID-19 specifically? What type of loading uh, do you use, if you are allowed to say? Yeah, yeah, sure. That is also a very good question in terms of the analytical performance. For this kind of device, most important uh, parameters is uh, sensitivity and selectivity. So um, we, we have several strategies to ensure that uh, this device can selectively and a sensitive test of the ionized particles or our uh, target of interest. So firstly, we have uh, using this device for proper sample processing. As I mentioned in the beginning, mm -hmm. we were able to use this paper device to um, enrich and purify the specific ionic genetic materials from sewage. Yeah. So that's avoid the interference from the other impurities in sewage. So secondly, we have a very specific molecular assay, it's called LAMP. So that is a very sensitive and selective detection of the genetic target, which ensure that those uh, detection should be very selective and sensitive. Thirdly, we also have a control to ensure that the test is valid in terms of the reagents and to avoid the false positive and the false negative signals. Yeah. So we are also build up our confidence from our previous experience by testing other organisms such as malaria and leptospirus and brucellus. So it works well so far. Do you have a control specifically that is COVID-19, uh, like a pure isolated um, virus sample? So in terms of your experiment, we have the, um, the plasmid, it's artificial genetic sequence as a, a positive control to validate our test. Yeah, okay. it will be also integrated with our device. So, uh, so you artificially replicated uh, like something that re resembles COVID-19. Yeah, yeah, the specific sequence. Yeah, this is also, I think many people are using this uh, method because to access of the real viral sample is very difficult for most okay. of the labs. They need to get the P3 level uh, health and safety. Oh, um, maybe I should put you into contact with Dr. Tavnan Suleiman, because this is recently now that the news has been um, published that she has um, here in South Africa isolated a pure sample of coronavirus. Um, and okay. if you require perhaps like a more um, like pure sample that's actually isolated COVID-19, um, perhaps I can put you into contact with her and then you can maybe use that sample. I'm not yeah, exactly yeah. sure how the transport system will work for that. <laughs> yeah, but if you'd yeah, like that, to, if you try to, um, I'll, I'll send you the details for her. Okay, yeah, that, so, that should be very useful. Yeah, they actually. have a BSL-3 um, lab here and they established um, a way of isolating the um, virus and making a pure sample of it. Yeah. Yeah, you mean the uh, isolate, the culture, the coronavirus yeah. Yeah, sample? Yeah. From sewage, yes. Or from yeah. okay. I think they um. That's interesting. I'm not yeah, sure that's very useful. 
yeah, I should ask the details of how they managed to do it. But mm -hmm. the, the news was very, just more like the practical aspect from this is what has happened. <laughs> it didn't really yeah, go into yeah. detail of exactly how yeah. it was cultivated. But yeah, I'll, I'll put you two into contact. Maybe I can help you with the, the yeah, yeah, yeah. further progress of um, establishing some sort of control and avoiding false positives. But that's also the way yeah. you're doing it now, avoiding false positives just by testing with other known viruses that you can know that that's... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. a method of validation. So yeah. we are yeah. sure that uh, we can just uh, make sure that there is no false positive or no false negative signals. Yeah. This is very important for the device uh, um, performance. Yeah. yeah. So you've tested COVID-19 with a device. Um, you've tried to, you've used that now already, right? How long does uh, it not, not, not really. It's, it's still, still um, prototype development. Okay. Because in, in I have the, to be honest, but yeah, the university lab was closed for six weeks. Yes. So we can't do any <laughs> no, the same. lab activity. So, yeah. No, yeah, so nothing's really coming out of the lab right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but but we, unfortunately, we just get access uh, now. We can carry out the full yeah, experiment. That's yeah. great. Yeah, because it's a priority. That's great. Yeah. But um, in your other tests for, let's say, for malaria, malaria how, does, how long does the results take for you to see a positive result? Or so it really takes one hour from one sample hour. to also, yeah. Okay, like PCR it takes like six hours to get a result. So yeah, that's yeah. also very good because now you can compare it with like, you can get uh, information much faster. Yeah, thank you. Um, We've run through all the questions that I wanted to ask you. I'm so glad you gave me all the information that I need. Okay, the last thing I wanted to ask you was um, just from like a business standpoint, uh, how much does this device cost and the manufacturing and development process of it cost? Would it be um, possible to make this in like a very large scale? You know, how how yeah. does that look? Uh, yes, I, I think uh, this device, the cost is very... Uh, is very low as mentioned in the beginning. First, okay. is a the material is from the paper, which is very cheap materials, and yeah. uh, uh, we have the cellulose mostly, right? Yeah. Hmm? Sorry. Is it made from cellulose mostly? Yes, cellulose paper. Yes, yes. that's true. Okay. cellulose yeah. paper. So, uh, have the rough estimation. The whole, the single device will cost less than one pounds roughly, but uh, it's obviously. Involve our intellectual properties and all the technology development. So that's our all material cost in terms of the manufacturing. And uh, go back to your second question: is it's definitely possible to do a large scale manufacturing in order to promote and or be used for other people. So we are still working to improve that to make it more user friendly, which means that even our expertise can manipulate this assay by themselves so we hope that this device can be widely used in order to as a rapid test to do to, to check if any infections at the community yes. yeah that's our ambitious as well <laughs> yeah no but it sounds very very promising and because it's um it's not rene renewable but it's environmentally friendly it's relatively cheap to make and it's very easy to transport and use everywhere and by almost anyone. You don't have to be terribly skilled to be able to understand or use it. It might have a very good promise for the future, not just for COVID-19 testing, but just for any 
other type of pandemic that might occur in the future to establish some sort of you know easily easy testing bulk testing um type of device that's very very great i'm very excited about this project yes, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah thank you for your time and thank you for like sharing the information with me and with everybody who's going to be seeing this thank you it's my great pleasure that's very good so by the way i also uh, get a phd in polymer science oh <laughs> I work in polymer science or chemistry yes yeah <laughs> what yeah. polymer uh, what topic are you working on polymer oh, science? I, I finished my PhD last year, but I worked specifically also, I was also interested in uh, removing or cleaning uh, treatment of wastewater, but I ended up going more into the uh, removal of heavy metals from wastewater. So I developed okay. a sponge and um, worked with chitosan to find like an environmentally friendly adsorbent that can help remove waste, uh, heavy metals from wastewater. So okay. my project That's mainly revolved around rural. developing the materials for the adsorbent, but um, it was a very, very interesting and fun project for me. So I'm definitely, I like this topic a lot. <laughs> yeah, the reason I ask is uh, for my first degree and uh, master's degree, I also working in polymer science. Oh, okay. So I also working in some polymer materials, so that I know a little bit also like chitosan, I want very good biocompatible materials. And uh, I did uh, do some research in terms of polymer, uh, mechanical properties of polymer material, like uh, crystallization and the mechanical properties. Yeah. So that's good as we, we are you know, more or less in very close areas. <laughs> yeah, no, it's amazing yeah. actually how all the fields just like combine into one. And you, I'm really like polymer science, especially, I feel you can branch into so many aspects of polymer science, you know? But thank you so much for the interview. I really appreciate it. It was so much fun speaking to you. <laughs> thank you. Enjoy your day. See you later. Goodbye. Thank you. You too.